What is it about us that makes us so often want to be something other than what we are? Something other than what God made us to be? Um, There are a lot of women who have straight hair and they wish they had a wave in it or a curl. A lot of women with wavy or curly hair wish they had straight hair. And it's not just the waves and the curls. A lot of women who have dark hair wish they had blonde hair. And a lot of women who have blonde hair wish they had dark hair. I saw a stat as I was preparing for this message that said 89% of women do not like their natural hair color. And then there's cosmetic surgery. The United States has more plastic surgeons than any other nation on earth. Last year, over 2 million procedures were performed purely electively for cosmetic reasons because people wanted to change something about their appearance. And then, of course, you have short people who wish they were taller. And you have tall people who get tired of bumping their heads and sleeping with their feet hanging off the end of the bed, so they wish they were a little shorter. And then you have people who live in small houses who very often wish they had a bigger house. And people who live in big houses wish they could downsize. And then, of course, there's marriage, and you have a lot of single people who would give anything to be married, and a lot of married people, well, let's just move on. Um, (laughs) Right now, I'm guessing that most of us in this room could name one, two, three, four, maybe five things about ourselves that we wish we could change. You may see it every time you look into a mirror and see that, that... feature that you have that you just don't like. You may think about it every time you look at your paycheck and wish that you had a different job or a different career. You may be reminded of it every time you're around somebody you admire as you think to yourself, boy, I wish I could be more like that person. Well, of course, there are a couple of problems with thinking this way. The first is that you end up frittering away your whole life in a state of discontent. You may have a good life and lots of blessings, but if you're always focused on what you don't have, then you don't enjoy what you do have. And it'll eventually be like you never even had those blessings because you never took the time to enjoy them. You were always wishing you had something different. The second problem with thinking this way is that you put yourself at odds with God. Because guess what? He made you. That hair color that you don't like, he gave it to you. That nose that you don't like every time you look in the mirror, he gave it to you. And so if you aren't happy with those things and whine and complain about those things and wish those things could be different, basically you're saying to God, you didn't do a good job. To help you see more clearly what I mean, I want to take you back to the eighth chapter of Acts. Now there's a story there about a magician. His name was Simon, but I kind of think of him as kind of a first century Fred Moore. Because the Bible says that he amazed people with his magic tricks. Of course, that's what Fred does for us, doesn't he? Uh, In fact, 
Simon was so good that he developed quite a following. Acts 8, 10, and 11 says, everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. Now, if Simon were alive today, I think he would probably be a celebrity in our world. I mean, you don't get the nickname, the great one, the power of God, unless you're fantastic at what you do. And so he was. So Simon's got this great thing going. He's a magician. He's got his own little one-man entertainment empire going. Um, But one day he crossed paths with Philip who was an apostle. And as an apostle, Philip had the ability to do miracles, not magic tricks, but real honest-to-goodness miracles. And naturally, Simon the magician was intrigued. So he started following Philip around and listening to him preach and watching him perform these amazing miracles. Acts 8.13 says that Simon was even baptized because he was so impressed with what Philip was doing. And then Simon noticed something. He noticed that Philip and Peter and John and the rest of the apostles had the ability to pass this miracle-working power on to other people through the laying on of And when Simon realized this, I think that's the moment at which he became dissatisfied with his own life and his own abilities, his own situation. I think he was like a baby who's only ever had mother's milk and strained peas and carrots who gets his first bite of ice cream or a french fry. And suddenly, that little baby, even in his little undeveloped baby brain, is thinking, are you kidding me? There is food like this in the world? Get those strained peas and carrots out of here. This is the food I want. And I think Simon the magician must have had some good magic tricks, but he couldn't do miracles. And when he realized that miracles could be done, oh man, he wanted some of that action. So let's, um, let's read Acts 8, starting with verse 18, and see what happened. It says, When Simon saw that the Spirit, that is this miracle-working power, was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, you have to understand that there was nothing righteous Nothing spiritual, nothing godly in this request. Simon wasn't wanting this power because he wanted to help the apostles minister to people. No. The reason he wanted this ability is because he wanted to add it to his show. He wanted to capitalize on this ability. He was imagining the people who would come and see him perform and wondering what they would be willing to pay to get him to bestow this ability on them. Now, how do I know he was thinking that? Look at the very next verses. 
It says, but Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking that God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. Now watch this. He says, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. This is the place you ultimately come to when you're not happy just being yourself. When you begin to look around at other people who have what you don't have, who are doing what you would like to be able to do, who are looking the way you would like to be able to look, when you focus on other people and see what they have that you don't have, you almost always end up feeling bitter and jealous. Peter says to Simon, you can have no part in this because your heart is not right with God. And I want to just say today, if you're not happy just being who God made you to be, if you're not happy just being yourself, then something is wrong in your heart and in your relationship with God. I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you read the Bible or pray. If you are not happy being who God made you to be, if you are not happy just being yourself, if you're always looking around at other people and wishing you could have their life or their situation, something is not right in your heart. And so what I want to do this morning in the time we have remaining, I want to give you three tips on how to be yourself. Okay? Three tips on how to be yourself. Here's the first one. Embrace the person God made you to be. God makes all kinds of people. He made Vladimir Putin. He also made Dolly Parton. And their names sound pretty similar, but they're pretty much opposites, aren't they? In just about every way. He made Luciano Pavarotti. He also made Willie Nelson. He made a potato farmer in Idaho. He made a hostage negotiator in New York City. He made the superstar athlete that you're always seeing on TV and all the commercials. He also made the geeky, uncoordinated scientist who's sitting in a lab somewhere working on a cure for cancer. God makes all kinds of people. What you need to do if you want to be content with your life is figure out what kind of person he made you to be and then embrace that. Now, it's not that hard to figure this out. We're not talking about rocket science here. All you need to do is think about your makeup and what you enjoy doing, what you've shown you have an aptitude for. Think about what kind of doors have opened up in front of you. Um, Take our little fish friend on the screen. You know, he may dream of being a big old mean old shark, but it's pretty clear that's not what God had in mind for him, isn't it? And he can strap that fin on his back and swim around like a big shot all he wants to, but he's only fooling himself. And that's what happens with a lot of people. You know, when I look at my own life, I, I can see clearly that God never intended for me to be a big megachurch preacher with a big TV ministry. He never gave me that ability. He didn't give me that passion. He didn't open any doors of opportunity for me in that direction. He did, however, equip me to be 
a regular church pastor. He gave me the passion for that. He opened doors uh, along those lines. He, he gave me a passion to write, and he opened doors along that line. So I can see pretty easily what kind of person God made me to be. And you ought to be able to do the same. By thinking about how God has gifted you and what you've shown an aptitude for and what doors he's opened for you. Be the person God made you to be. Here's tip number two. Embrace the work God has given you to do. God has a plan for this world and he wants every one of his people, his children, to be involved in that work. Now the thing is, not every role is glamorous. For example, maybe you remember back in the Old Testament when Nehemiah led the effort to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. The city had fallen into disrepair during what's known as the Babylonian captivity, but the Jews were coming home now, and it was important to rebuild the wall around the city because in those days, if you had a city and you didn't have a wall around it, you were inviting attacks uh, from enemies. And so in the third chapter of Nehemiah, we find something pretty amazing. We get a list of all the foremen and workers who helped rebuild the wall. We're given their names, and we're told what section of the wall they worked on. Now, uh, if you were to sit down and read that passage of Scripture, you would probably fall asleep because it's boring. However... Like all seemingly boring sections of Scripture, there are things in there that are pretty thought-provoking if you know what to look for. For example, check out verse 14. It says, The dung gate was repaired by Malchijah, son of Rechab, the leader of the Beth Hakarim district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Now, you know what dung is, right? And if you know what dung is, then you can probably figure out what the dung gate was used for. It was the gate through which they hauled all of the human and animal waste. In those days, they didn't have flush toilets. People did their business in buckets. And probably several times a day, there were people who had to carry those buckets out through the dung gate and dump them. And you're probably thinking, wow, that would be a horrible job. But you know what? Somebody had to do it. I think we make a big mistake when we talk about serving God and imply that every job he calls us to do is going to have some measure of uh, prestige or glamour or glory attached to it. You know, the reality is that sometimes... God needs some dirty, stinky, nasty jobs done. And sometimes he calls us to do that kind of work. But I'll tell you this, and I want you to hear me on this. You will be happier doing a dirty job that God has called you to do than you will be doing a glamorous job that he hasn't called you to do. And here's the reason for that. Because if you're doing a job God has called you to do, he'll bless you for doing it. But if you're only doing a job because you like the attention it gives you, you're only doing a job because you think it brings prestige into your life, but God hasn't called you to do it, you're only doing it for selfish reasons, then He's not going to bless you for doing it. And if God's blessing is not on the work you're doing, it's never going to feel right. It's never going to be right. 
You're never going to be happy. You're happy doing it. Now you might ask, but how do I know what work God has given me to do? Well, let me just give you a rule of thumb. It's probably the work that's right in front of you. If there's a work or a ministry or a job that God has called you to do, it's right in front of you. The open door of opportunity is there. People are asking you to do it. You have the time and the ability to do it. It's right there. It's right in front of you. Then you don't need to go looking over here for work to do, or you don't need to be looking over here for work to do. You just need to do the work that's right in front of you. I'm going to just share something with you right now in a kind of a transparent way, and I'll try not to have a meltdown, but this is one of my biggest pet peeves in ministry. Every preacher deals with this. I've dealt with it for over 40 years. It drives me crazy. You wonder why I don't have any hair. This is the reason. (laughs) There is so much work that needs to be done in the church. Even in this church, we have all kinds of ministries that need volunteers. We stand up here all the time and beg for volunteers. There's work that needs to be done. And yet people come up to me and they say, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Open your eyes. Why are you looking here and there for work to do when there's work that's right in front of you that needs to be done? Okay, I feel better. Let's move on. (laughs) Embrace the person God made you to be. Embrace the work He's put right in front of you to do. Here's the third tip on how to be yourself. And maybe this is the most important one. Embrace what God is doing in other people's lives. And you say, what? Listen, you will never be happy being who God made you to be. You will never be happy doing what he's given you to do if you're always looking at other people and wishing you had their situation. As a pastor, I've got to be careful that I don't look at other pastors who have big churches and start feeling a little envious. As a writer, I have to be careful that I don't look at some of my writer friends who make those bestseller lists and start feeling a little bitter. As a single person, you have to make sure you don't look at your married friends and start feeling a little jealous. As a married person who hasn't been able to conceive and have children, you have to be careful that you don't look at your married friends who have kids and start feeling like you've been shortchanged. You can't embrace who you are if you're always looking at other people and wishing you had their situation. And so that means embracing. That means rejoicing over what God is doing in other people's lives. I want to wrap this message up by sharing with you an old fable from centuries ago. There was a servant boy, and one of his jobs every day was to carry water from the river up to the house. And he carried that water in two buckets attached to the end of a long pole, and he carried the pole on his shoulders, and so the buckets were out here. The problem was that one of the buckets had a big crack in the side, and so it leaked. 
So by the time the boy got up to the house, he really only had a bucket and a half of water. Well, one day the cracked bucket said to the boy, because this is a fable, and in fables buckets can talk. But the cracked bucket said to the boy, you know, I'm really sorry I let you down every day. I, I know I've got this crack in my side, and I leak, and I know you must be really disappointed in me, and I would give anything if I didn't have this crack. I'm just, I'm just so sorry. And the boy looked at the bucket and said, me? Disappointed in you? I'm not disappointed in you. Haven't you noticed how many beautiful flowers there are on your side of the path? Let that story be a reminder to you that while you're focusing on your cracks and feeling bad about your cracks and wishing you didn't have cracks, God can use you, cracks and all, to make his world a better place. Your job is simply to be yourself. Be the person he made you to be. Do the work he gave you to do. Let's stand.